you don't need to live live this grey nine to five boring fucking lifestyle. You don't. No interesting. I'm jealous. I have a house. Now you fucked but up. I know. I can't undo <laughs> that house. <laughs> I like my house. I like it. I could sell it, can I? It's yeah. got up a lot of money. Yeah, there you go. Sell it. Take the cash. Put it into Bitcoin. They don't care. You could yeah. rape and murder people. They don't give a fuck. But you better, <laughs> you better make sure you pay your taxes. <laughs> you be a dirty nonce, but you can't pay your taxes. You're right. Yeah, that's below. Like, number one, the tax evasion. That, that's the number one thing they hate. Next below is like nonces, yeah. <laughs> you can have fun staying poor. <laughs> have fun staying in prison. Yo, Bitcoin bro. Yo, Bitcoin bros. What's that, whiskey? Today is sponsored by the Ardmore. Oh, nice. Actually, I've got whiskey today. I nearly I did just... do it. Um, Cardu is on offer again in Tesco. 20... <laughs> um, that's, um, there's also other supermarkets available to buy Cardu, so you can get it from Sainsbury's. <laughs> you can, but um, <laughs> normally 38 quid a bottle, 25. Beautiful, isn't it? Buy up two. So this is a shout out to um, BT. They gave this to JG as a retirement present and he gave it to me as a son-in-law present. So tastes good. And it's now a Thursday present. <laughs> yeah, it's now a Thursday Celebrating Thursday. <laughs> well, every day is a, is a good day, especially when you live in the Bitcoin dream. Oh, well, I spent my day today being jumped on by your freaking son. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, I how are you feeling? Like a broken man. <laughs> he looks like he was having the time of his life, and he looks knackered now. Oh, he's he's totally exhausted. He's got he's he's bat- more battered and bruised than me. To be fair, like he's, he's been through the wars. <laughs> like there's been some tears along the way. But, like, <laughs> the tears quickly go. Like after, I think he headbutted me at one point by accident. Like hurt his nose, but then two seconds later, he was fine. Went around again. It's just you know. He's rough and tumble, isn't he? And it literally, he keeps going on each game almost until the point where he cries at something because mm-hmm. he just can't stop. And uh, Does it not remind you of when me and you used to play football in the back garden? It was like, mm-hmm. when do we finish football? Well, it's normally when I cried, wasn't it? Well, it's cried or the ball's gone over or smashed something. <laughs> smashed so, the green out. There needs to be like a spike at the end of the game. Like We can't just quit just normal. <laughs> like... Something bad needs to happen, yeah. So either you get slammed in the face or the ball slams the post, hits the greenhouse, slams the post, or you save it and it goes over the fence. Like, we need to lose you're crying. Like, they're, they're the conditions. Yeah. And, if we're so both, and if we're both getting a bit tired, then let's just kick it a bit harder. But <laughs> that will accelerate the state. <laughs> you know the accident is coming, so let's just force it. <laughs> I still remember that time when I'd gone out to Donne and I bought this little size two football and it was a leather football. I remember you're like, I was doing kickups, I was learning to get my touch, so I got a small football. And I rolled out to you with the climbing frame, and you just pinged it straight through the greenhouse. Oh, right. <laughs> it was the finish shot. <laughs> You were like, it was your fault. You made you set it up too nicely. You oh, actually blame me. I think it went in, but. Like it might have kind of behind yeah, the goal, yeah. And it was so funny. I did it. Yeah, suddenly we realized why we always used to play with windies. Like, just, oh, right. Yeah. That's why we play play with the, the windy balls. Like, and even, even with a windy, though, we wouldn't, um, you'd have to, you got a windy, then you would just smash into the privet edge until it popped. Because if you hit it against the climber frame, it would just go straight over, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. As the goal was the climbing frame, so you had to burst it so it didn't bounce over every time. Yeah, you want like a 75% windy. That was it, 75%. But yeah, nothing clever. Mm. Leather just destroys everything in its path. Oh, it does, yeah. Plants, greenhouses, faces. <laughs> <laughs> Entertainment, yeah. Yeah, that cuts the games too short or level. It, it does. So, Bitcoin world. So we've had, um, we are, to be fair, the last few pods we haven't discussed at all the price. So yeah, I, I like think it. the last, 
Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, I like. Um, so the last time I, it keeps going up, it? come back down, going up. I think I remember on week th- two or three. I think it was two. I said, "Oh, the price is." I think it was like thirty-four k. So obviously, since then we went crazy down. Oh, oh, did we? Yeah, it went down. Yeah, so but we're not far off that again. We're thirty-seven, so it's within ten percent. Well, we know. Oh, that's twenty. Oh, oh. I'm doing dollars. Yeah, I was doing it in pounds. So thirty-seven thousand pounds, it was. Ah, uh, right. Thirty-four, and then it went down to like twenty-something. So it's gone back up to like twenty-nine, and it's just hovering around twenty-seven at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. In pounds. But yeah, so one of the things that one of our listeners has um, asked me to talk about, or us to talk about today, is if I had some money, where do I get started? And whilst it does sound a bit of a a simple question to answer, but it is probably a genuine one out there. So for all those people that have been out, their jewelry's been out and they've been thinking, do I, don't I, I don't really get it. We've hopefully explained enough about the quality of the future of Bitcoin in the world, in the whole world, opposed to just making money, Hmm. but they want to get started. But the thing is, it was only today I got another family WhatsApp group text about crypto and scams and stuff and it was like told you it's a scam so again it's there's so much negativity out there and it's about um it was a specific report maybe the telegraph or someone like that 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 put it out there about these um get rich quick schemes give me 500 quid i'll guarantee you 5k in two months so again anyone that does anything with finances and in sort of stocks and shares you know trigger sign or the alarm bells go off when somebody promises you a guaranteed mm. increase so straight away it's kind of a flawed thing because obviously it's a scam if i said to you give me 100 quid i'll make it 500 quid you're going to go show up. how give me a business model so straight away it's a little bit of a flawed thing but again i just wanted to say it's out there so people that are um and are and just dabbing their feet in will be seeing this and just run away again so let's say you've got 100 pounds you're going to flutter it where do you go what would your advice be straight off? So I've got, why well, I've only got one means of buying Bitcoin myself and I do it hundred percent through Coinbase exchange. I know you're more familiar with others, but you've seen a lot more of the different exchanges. I know you've dabbled in them all just to see. So what, what would you say is the easiest way to get in? Um, it, it does obviously always with this stuff, it always really depends. So a hundred pounds can mean very different things to different people. Okay. okay. Uh, is that a spare hundred pounds that you can just, lose or is it the last hundred pounds that you have and maybe you should be buying food with it or so this is a spare hundred pounds right yeah it's a spare hundred pounds so it's somebody that's looking to dabble in a bit of investment it's not a hundred pounds to them isn't huge i I would say so it's just gonna i say a hundred pound is a is a decent figure but it's not gonna they can lose it yeah that's the person we're looking at here yeah well with that hundred pounds to begin with i would start on education so if you're if they're thinking about going bitcoin wise i would invest in uh buying the bitcoin standard if you the cheapest way to get that is buy on audible if you actually sign up for audible uh you get a free month i think and you can download okay. like six books so okay. download the bitcoin standard listen to it and then if you want to test your knowledge then download bitcoin lessons and that'll be two quid to upgrade it and then you can go through essentially the Bitcoin standard again in a light version, answering questions questions as you go. And then at the end of that, you should have, like maximum what you've spent there is £12 of the 100, probably 10 on the book, two on the app. That's a real good foundation worth of knowledge now. So with that £100, yeah, I would start to stack sats. So I would go and open up an exchange account. They're all free maybe download an app like Revolut. Uh, but but yeah, if you want your first bit of Bitcoin, just any account, any exchange, Coinbase, Kraken, Gemini. The, the biggest part of a lot of this is people just want to do it magically. And like they just think the money just evaporates and just you just buy Bitcoin just by thinking about it. No, it takes some work. You have to go to these websites, make sure you go to the right ones. And then once you have these accounts opened, it will probably take a couple of weeks to open up the accounts because they need to verify you. You need to link your bank account where that hundred pounds is to your exchange account, transfer over the, the 92 pounds, how much? No, actually 88 pounds that you'll have left. 
and um and yeah and just buy 10 pounds worth of bitcoin 10 to begin with and then what i'd actually then go is leave it in there for a little bit then sell it sell the 10 pounds just to get it back into your account maybe even transfer that money back to your own bank account just prove to yourself this isn't a scam do all the do the whole loop you know don't trust verify so you've done it with a small amount of money you bought some bitcoin you sold the bitcoin and whether it's a profit or loss doesn't really matter uh send it back to your bank account and just prove to yourself that this is all legit and then uh and then yeah just start stacking like for the for 100 pounds if it's a relatively low amount of money and you're about to get paid next month or whatever i would suggest yeah buy 10 20 pounds today log in again tomorrow buy another 10 or 20 uh the fees will be relatively high though for this because they, they i think they start quite high at a couple of pounds maybe per trade i'm not sure uh so it's not probably worth buying 10 pounds every time it's probably you're going to get eaten up in fees a little bit so once you're confident with it and you've done the first couple of buys i would just lump the last 80 in and um and then yeah then once you and then just leave it in the exchange it's absolutely fine there it's insured um you're not a true bitcoiner yet because you're, you haven't taken self-custody of your of your coins but a hardware wallet costs over 100 pounds for the wallet so you need to buy your bitcoin first you need to have something that's worth protecting so you've begun your journey and you've started to to stack sats um but the the thing with 100 pounds is i like, don't expect it to be 10,000 next week you know you can this is a long long haul thing you're probably on a 10-year journey here um and just every whenever you can just keep stacking uh because the general concept I have for investing is you need to do find uh, a 10x twice, twice in your life and you'll be a millionaire. But the hardest part of it is you need to save the first 10 grand yourself. <laughs> so you need to work hard and ideally be able to save 10,000 pounds. And most people should be able to do that. Uh, it, can, it can take 10 years, could take two, depending mm-hmm. on how much, you've, how much you get paid. But you should be able to save 10 grand. And once you do you need to find two 10x investments. One takes the 10 to the 100. The second takes it from the 100 to the to the million. Or one 100x, which if you, if you search for 100x's, though, you're going to be disappointed because you're probably going to get led into scams in some shape or form. Um, but Bitcoin actually probably could get you there. It's just don't, don't expect that. Go in expecting a 10x over five, seven, 10 years, and then you'll probably be very pleasantly surprised, but that's, that's great. So, so yeah, so for people that do only have a hundred pounds to their name and that's their investment pot, my first thing that I would instantly comment on is why is it so low? Uh, are you very, very young? Uh, like why? Um, have you, this is the very first time you ever thought about investing because chances are you need to change your lifestyle uh, to free up more money. No matter how much you get paid, you are likely spending too much based on how much you earn. So the first thing probably is to do is to reflect and go, why is it only a hundred pounds here? Uh, can, can you make it 200, 300, 400, 500? This is, you're going to start seeing much better gains. It's, it's almost like going to the gym and like eating the wrong foods at home. And I'm your personal trainer and I'm drilling you one hour a week, uh, but we're not seeing any, any changes. You know, or your changes are very, very gradual. And it's because you're going home and eating shit every day. And sitting on your ass it's like your lifestyle is wrong you need to make some lifestyle changes you need to start eating different food being a bit more active when you're not with me uh so when you come into the gym like come into your investment portfolio and you're putting that money aside you haven't ruined it in between and uh there's you're actually seeing the gains properly compound and start building up and because that's the thing you want to see the gains you want to you want to have a meaningful amount of money in there because that's when, when that's when the, the gains start ticking up, they mean something. Uh, so, yeah. It's, it's, so when you're shoving a hundred quid in, like chances are these people tend to earn way more than that on a monthly basis. They have loads of outgoings that are 10, 20 X, that type of money. So when they put the hundred pounds in and they see like 20, 30, 40, a hundred percent gains, it's like, oh, it's a hundred quid. It's like, well, yeah, you started with such a low amount of money. You, you need to, probably change your lifestyle and start treating investing because the, the way that I always used to treat it was when I get paid, I would see how much I wanted to invest and then I would spend the rest. Don't get your money 
spend it and then invest what's left at the end of that. You will always spend everything. So it's, it's a bit of a mental mindset to switch all that around. I think as well, it's even more pertinent to have that attitude coming out of lockdown because I know what I'm like. I want to get a season ticket straight away at Villa because I haven't been there for so long. But then is that sensible right now? And yeah, my decision is not going to do it because I've got other commitments. so I can't go every week. However, I'm going to go and basically spend probably half of it and go to as many games as I can, but on my terms, instead of having that Tuesday night uh, away day and I'm struggling to get back for work and I've got Harry, Jesse to put to bed or whatever. So I'm not going to do it. And also the thing that makes the decision even easier, there's like 8,000 people on the waiting list. <laughs> but the, the point being is, I think it's, it's, it's what you're saying is you will spend what you have and that is so true. People will do it. You go towards the end of the month and you see you've got some money in your bank. Your chance are you go out for that extra meal, don't you? Or whatever. Or you buy some clothes online. <laughs> Whereas if you're serious, I think that's the difference, isn't it? This isn't going to be for everyone. But if you want to genuinely change your life and invest money, then you need to do stuff about it. So I think the key message, what you just said to me there is make sure you've got some money to invest that you don't necessarily need. So you're not saying sell the house and put some money in. You're saying just look at your lifestyle, free up a bit more. And if you're talking of 100 quid to start off with, if it could be 110 next month, that's actually a 10% increase. It's actually pretty impressive. The thing I really did appreciate and what the way you said it about how to get into Bitcoin, which is something I, to be honest, would never, ever have advised anyone, was that first £12. And I think that first £12 will make that £100 not even be questioned. It will be two, £300 because you will learn about it. And education's key. And education's boring. Reading books is boring. Listening to books on the train is boring. But it's what will make you understand stuff. And I think understanding this it means that the decisions you make are educated decisions instead of just because it's the thing to buy. And the beauty about what you've just said as well, how many steps you have to go through to make it understandable to buy it shows how early you are. So people listening, just you're so early. One day it will be a point where you'll just get paid in it or it'll just be such a simple transaction like buying euros. At the moment, it's actually a little bit difficult. So a lot of people are far too lazy. So... If you're actually willing to get involved now, you're still massively ahead of the curve, aren't you? Yeah, it's. It, I, I think like just going back to the gym analogy, it's the same thing. Like you, you see people on Instagram all ripped, and you just think, oh, they had it easy or something. Like you just try and dismiss the fact that that wasn't a shit ton of hard work. It's like, no, how did they get that? It's like they worked out every day. Like mm-hmm. that, that they and they probably do lots of running and lots of cardio to get rid of the body. No fat. carbs. Yeah, and like, because yeah, because look, they're drinking all night and partying. So, but they're getting up, hungover, going for a run, and then lifting some weights in the evening. Like, this is tough work, and you can look at it and just be salty and be like, "Oh yeah, look, it's not fair." So, well, you, you sit on your ass and eat takeaways and don't work out. So yeah, you haven't got the six pack and and the pecs. It's 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 really fucking hard work, and it's the same with investing. It's the same if you do want to be financially free before seventy five, you have to do more. And you have to sacrifice as well. So the, the people that are ripped, like they sacrifice eating that donut and going to bed early and getting up for that run before work or whatever. They, they, they make sacrifices to look good. If you want to, to retire early and not get lucky by doing it and have a relative just leave you loads of money or you randomly win the lottery or something, which good luck, that's one in 14 million. If you want to increase your odds of doing that by doing it yourself, you have to make sacrifices. So yeah, so the season ticket or that extra holiday or that shirt or that meal out, when you do that and you're young and you start investing that then, it really changes, you can change your whole life. Just, mm. and it, it genuinely can. You, and you can actually start looking at being financially free in your 30s or 40s instead of your 60s or 70s. So that's the thing to question. Do you want a little bit of pain in your 20s and 30s and have sacrifices, but then have 20 to 30 years more of your own life to do whatever you want or do you want to live to your maximum for your 20s and 30s and continue to live to your maximum but working nine to five until you're until you're 70 that's the question and and there's no easy answer because even if you go now i want to retire early it's like right the sacrifices need to be made and they start today yeah 
and it's suddenly like, oh, I don't want to sacrifice that. I need to have that. No, you do. You do need to. And yeah, and, and I, I really do challenge like people that are together, and um, even if you have kids and all that stuff, like you should have a couple of hundred pounds to invest a month. And if you don't, really, like, do you have a spreadsheet of your incomings and outgoings? Can almost guarantee you don't. To make one, and really look at that stuff, and because uh, I would challenge everyone to not be able to put two to five hundred pounds to one side. And and like I said, the way I would do it as well is I would steal it at the beginning of the month from yourself. (laughs) So put it, even don't, don't even invest it straight away, just in case, just put it to a different account. Just move it from one account, whichever card you carry around the most in your wallet, that's the, your go-to one, move it out of that one, put it into one that you don't carry the card around or something, put that four or 500 pounds into a different account. And then as the month goes on, just see if you need it. Like see if you can just live without it. And provided you get to the end of month month and you haven't needed it, boom, you just proved to yourself you didn't need it this month. Bang it into the investment. Then you got paid again. Bang, do the same. And that month, something might come up, the car breaks or something, and you need extra 250 quid. All right, fine. You need to steal back that 250 from yourself and pay for the car. You still got 150 left. We're still a win. Bang, invest that bit. And just, just get used to it. It's the same as having a diet and having a workout exercise. Investing is the same thing. And you never get it. Like you're always striving and you always feel like having a cheat day. The chimp inside you always wants to cheat, uh, always wants to buy that expensive watch or upgrade the car. Like your chimp is always going, ah, oh, fuck it. We're, we're saved next month. Next month, we're, we're doing it properly. Just as my, I'm, I'm like this with fitness, I'm always saying, oh, I'm going to start on Monday. Like, I had too much whiskey last night, so I'm not doing it tomorrow, obviously. I'm hungover, so I'll do it the next day. And then something else comes. Like My chimp is so powerful with me when it comes to fitness, whereas with investing, I, I nail my chimp. It's got no power over me whatsoever, but that's why I'm fat, but also um, retired. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting because it's a bit of a budget sort of um, hit there, isn't it? It's it's simple budgeting. It's, it's taken away because everyone gets used to seeing a certain a number in their bank account, whatever that may be for anyone. It might be 500 quid, it might be two grand. And as soon as you go down a few hundred quid off that normal number, you start to think, oh, I haven't got as much money left now. So you can't invest because it's, and that's the thing. And I think taking it away initially and leaving it sideways, so it takes the, takes the stress off because you know it's still there. But the point is it, it starts to train you because humans are a bit dumb, aren't they? You just need to learn about how humans work. And you work out that you can you can fool yourself. I do it all the time when I'm running. I'll stop at the end of this road, have a nice break, have a nice stretch, get there, and no. nah, nah. yeah. Why? And I'm like, I've just I've just literally lied to myself in my head. I'm like, come on, you got there, you lazy prick. Carry on. I, there's a great one of um, talking about high performance and stuff. I, I've taught, um, watched this thing with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he used to do the same thing. He used to lie to himself. He used to lie and go in and go, oh yeah, I'm about to do the the picking 150 pound barbells or whatever because they're the ones like, he was did 140 last week and he was scheduled to do 150 and he'd be mentally prepared for that but he'd know he's about to trick himself and he'd go and pick up the 200s and be like ha like even heavier and like you still got to do it and he'd be like that's literally you, you have to trick yourself because your body and your muscles will lie to you when you pick that thing up because you know it's heavier than you've ever lifted it will just tell you that you can't lift it so go, no, 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 not, not only are you not going to be having that one, you're having this one and you're fucking doing it and just, <laughs> just get it up. And he's like, that's, I used to, so these mental games, you have to play with yourself. Like the, the highest performers that have achieved everything, they, they literally have to do the same thing. So your, your body and your brain is trying to be lazy. It just wants you to sit down and have a rest. It's, that's all it wants you to do and just chill. And uh, that's that's fine, and you can absolutely do it. It's just, do you, but do you want to work to sixty-five, and do you want to be fat? Most people don't want to be either of those. So to fix it, you have to get off your chair and exercise, and you also need to consider money. And it's 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 a journey. It's it's not easy. People spend their entire lives um, researching and having this as a whole profession. But with with bitcoin there's so many um, resources out there you can start small start building and uh yeah i think you'll be very very happy in 10 15 years when those small gains that you you put in will will turn into much bigger gains over over a long period of time 
Yeah, and I know what some people may think, you know, where you said <clears throat> you can either live your 20s to 30s max and then live the rest of your 40-year working career to your max, which would be quite capped because obviously you haven't invested or got any money more than you would have just by natural progression in your jobs. People think, well, I want to use my 20s and 30s because that's like my, my golden years. But the point of it is you're not missing out on your golden years, are you? Like you went to uni, you went and blew all the money in into your early twenties. You probably had next to nothing, and you slowly invested. So you built yourself up. You didn't just overnight become able to be retired. It, it, you've 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 run that long road for ages, yeah. and I think that's the key. But the thing is, I remember we had so many good times in our twenties. We were out every weekend. So yeah. it's this is not saying you can't do things. This is literally you're talking a small proportion of your money just put aside well the thing i did i took my own the only reason i know all these things because i did it myself and and by and large on the small stuff i never skimped at all i never skimped on uh food and clothes to a certain extent never go overboard but i would buy nice clothes that i liked that would would last forever um but then on the big stuff i would really skimp so that was on cars and houses like so i never mm -hmm. bought a house I knew that that deposit for the house, I could retire off that money if I had the opportunity to invest it instead. I didn't want to get tied into then self-improvement of the, of the house and all that stuff. And I know their money sinks. I saw my mates get houses. And before you know it, you're, you're doing up the house. You're putting fireplaces in, new kitchens, new bathrooms. And it's just like every penny just goes into it. So it just, it's not an investment whatsoever. It's a complete money sink and just suck every penny off you so i just knew pretty much if i just ignore cars and houses that's a couple of grand a month for me and that's all i need and that's and that's pretty much all i did everything else i had nice holidays i had nice clothes uh but for another thing that i did i got up to a relatively good standard of living but then i capped it so i, yeah. it. I think it was about 27 that i had a relatively good lifestyle but was getting paid mediocre and then my career started to ratchet up and every single penny that I got paid extra, when I was stealing from myself each month, I just stole more. Whatever the pay rise was, I'm like, I don't get it. Off to the side. No, I'm not going to upgrade to the Porsche. I'm not going to get the big four bed detached that everyone's telling me that I need to get now because I can technically afford it. Don't care. It's going to one side. I'm going to live the exact same lifestyle that I lived before because it's, it's comfortable. I'm not eating beans and... <laughs> You know, bread every night. I'm, you know, I'm going out for steaks and having red wine. I'm, I'm having a nice time. It's not a bad standard of living, but the biggest expenses that you can have: five hundred pound a month for your car, a couple of grand for the house. There you go. That's it. Everyone my age was doing it. Everyone, and I just didn't. And that's two and a half grand a month. So what's that? Thirty grand a year. So do that for ten years. Three hundred grand of investing. 10x you 10x that there you go three million quid retired that's it that's mm -hmm. no, interesting so a lot of people are going to be like turn off now because they're like well i've done that i've got the bloody four bedroom house i've got the car <laughs> so the key the key is to reduce the car isn't it yeah well and also to admit you fucked buy up. it outright yeah and admit it and try and work out how to get around it so again start the 100 quid isn't it so it all goes back to the first start it's doesn't matter what you've done, you can rectify it. You just take it longer. You might be 35, you might be 40 listening to this and thinking, oh, it's too late. It's not too late, is it? It, it is never, never too late. Too late. Because the thing is, like, you, it's never too late to undo the mistake that you make with houses either. Like, if you've made some money and you could, you could move back to renting. <laughs> like, if you're really serious, then I would... Depending on how big your mortgage is as well, it all depends. Like if, if, you've, if your mortgage is now controllable and you can continue to get pay rises, then you could do the same thing as what I did. The problem is you probably won't, have, there, yeah. you probably won't have two and a half grand. That's the problem. Like you, you, as you're running up the up the pay rate, pay kind of scales, if you really want to, because any sensible investor, like I could make between 50 to 100% a year. That tends to be how much money I could make on the investments I was doing. Uh, so you, if you can double your money, you want it to be meaningful. And if you're saving 30 grand a year, that's meaningful money now. And quite quickly what tends to happen is you start earning more money on your investments than you do in your day job. And then, you know, this is the thing, like people just completely obsess and it's like a religion to get a house. 
seriously, if people didn't do it and just rented smaller places and invested, they would be buying mansions 10 years later instead of the crappy little three bed that they get forced into buying when they were 24. And that is the difference. And you can undo the decision if you want. Most people won't because it's such a pride thing, such an ego thing. Everyone has houses. So people care what other people think. And um, yeah, the point of the trick is to not care. I don't care. People ask me all the time. Hey, why haven't I got a house? Why am I still driving a car that's 10 years old? So, because I am. I'm a long-term yeah. investor. I do whatever I want all day. I have no stress. I know the second I buy the big house that, that I want to buy, I know that is just a stress. I already I kind of feel a bit down. I'm like, things can go wrong with it and I'm going to have to look after it. It's my responsibility now. So I might kind of try and rob it. Oh, it, just, it just always annoys me. Whilst I'm living in like a rented flat and things break in here, I literally don't care. And I travel, <laughs> I travel the world. I go to Airbnbs and it's just, the free lifestyle. And I have so much money sat on the sidelines and investments. I just know I can fund this lifestyle for about a thousand years and it's just freeing. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. And the second you start buying huge material assets, it's like a chain around your ankle. And now you're, you're trapped to that location. You don't want to leave it. You need to make sure this asset stays good. And, uh, it starts to limit your options. Now, suddenly a different career will come up. You might meet someone that lives further away. You can't leave because the house is bricks and mortar. It's lumped here. You can't sell that house very quickly. It's going to take at least six months, maybe 12. And uh, yeah, so yeah. For people that have, so I, I just think that we, we've grown up in an environment where all our parents made an absolute shit ton of money at houses. And they grew up in a time when their parents own your own house was hardly anyone could. Right? Only the rich own their house right? for our grandparents. Uh, then our our parents grew up in a time where everyone got encouraged to buy a house and did. They were very, very cheap. So everyone made an absolute killing. So what they're doing is they're passing on that information to our generation now. And it's bad info. It was good for them because they were buying at the bottom. It was a new kind of like thing with housing where no one had a house. Everyone got encouraged to. So the market has now got flooded. It's now... Um, completely commoditized and prices are crazy high compared to wages we will not be passing this type of information on to our kids we just we just won't we will much more be be pushing invest enjoy your life control your spending and invest for the future and then when you're 40 50 if you want to buy a house knock yourself out you know you'll know who you are then you'll know where you want to live which country where you want to be feel free do it otherwise Airbnb, rent about, enjoy yourself. Like let someone else bother with the house. Let a company do it. Move from place to place. Live in Portugal for a year. Live in the UK for a year. Work from your laptop and just work anywhere in the world and take your family with you. Have fun. You don't need to live live this grey nine to five boring fucking lifestyle. You don't. No, interesting. I'm jealous. I have a house. Now you fuck. But up. I know. I can't undo that house. <laughs> I like my house. I like it. I could sell it, can I? It's got yeah. up a lot of money. Yeah, there you go. Sell it. Take the cash. Put it into Bitcoin. I know, yeah. That's it. Make you buy the whole and street then, in 10 years. That's it. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, so, okay, then just go back to the getting into Bitcoin. So you've got in, you've bought, whilst leaving it on the exchange, it's a little bit dubious because obviously it's not yours. You don't have the keys. It's not no keys, anyone, no keys. No keys, no cheese. That's it. So somebody could rob it. Somebody could close the exchange down. Obviously, anyone that's Googled Bitcoin will know that that's happened before and we're probably running for the hills. So that's probably one of the biggest negatives about it. But you can get around that. However, it's quite a scary thought because... The cold wallet storage is it's a, it's excellent. You can you can get your Bitcoin physically off if you like, physically digitally off, so it's no longer available online. But the trouble is, if you make a mistake in that transaction, it's undoable. So clearly, it comes with a lot of nerves. And I think the way you said about starting off with buying Bitcoin with just starting with a tenner, it's the same principle here. So. 
you got to go on to online and, and source yourself cold wallet storage. Do not buy it on Amazon or eBay. Maybe Amazon's right, but eBay, don't ever get a second-hand one. Biggest schoolboy error ever, isn't it? Why is that? Because somebody's probably already got the keys. So they're going to go, there you go. I'll set up a duplicate, and give you the fresh one, and they know how to access into it. Yeah. And then they'll let you top it up nicely with um, a few Bitcoin or whatever, and then they just withdraw it out. And you'll turn up one day, it was there, you did your £10 transaction, you know it works, and it just disappears. And you'll be like, how's it disappeared? And I know I made a very fundamental mistake. I know we talked about in Bitcoin, um, a bit of bro, uh, Bitcoin Bros, bit of pod one about writing down my keys, thinking it was a good idea. Again, it's schoolboy error. So go on and explain from the beginning of how you would go about doing it is the safest, easiest method. Because it is a complex thing. And, and pretty much I get this question all the time from anyone that's getting in. Yeah. Well, I, I'd use a trusted source. So if you if you take a book or you get a podcast or you download Bitcoin Lessons, my app, I, the, the best hardware wallets are all recommended in them. They'll either be advertising on the podcast or in the book, or they'll be referenced. So the ones to go for are Ledger, Trezor, or Cold Wallet. Uh, they all support Bitcoin. And then Trezor and Ledger also support a load of shit coins. So if you are thinking about experimenting with some of them, you can actually also save them, which wouldn't recommend it, but you can. It's nice to have the option maybe. Uh, so research that and then make sure you buy it from their website. Yeah, go go directly to one of those websites mm -hmm. and take a look. And because ideally you want to buy at least two uh, because with any of this thing, you need to assume that one will fail or break. And you just want a backup and you don't want to be panicked. It doesn't matter if one breaks, you can back it up to any device uh, that you that you buy, but you don't want to be waiting in the mail uh, and just, just have a second one. And also the second one's very good to test on. So yeah, I, I would like from the mates that I've had so far that have been coming into Bitcoin, I recommend that do this at about the point where you're about 2000 pounds in. So when your stack of Bitcoin is about 2K, then it's worth probably investing about 200 pounds, which is about 10% of that in hardware wallets. That's roughly what they're going to cost you. You can do it earlier if you want, do it later, do it whenever it feels right. It, what's felt right with people I've been talking to is about the two grand mark. That's when you've essentially, you've, you basically a month of the stacking, instead of stacking some stats, you invest in a hardware wallet or a couple of hardware wallets instead. So you buy them, uh, once they arrive, then, then yeah, you just get them out and test them. There's loads of great videos online about how they work. The, the devices themselves have great user guides and they provide great support. So just, just set it up because they're essentially just USB devices, but they have a genius aspect to them because the backup that they have with a USB to back it up, you'd have to physically copy all of the data on that USB and back it up to another one. And then if you want another one, you'd have to back up again. So then if anyone fails, you have multiple backups. With Bitcoin hardware wallets, you don't need to actually ever back it up to another device physically. You can actually have 24 words that represent your unique private key that accesses all your Bitcoin. And so that one key will enable you to back up. And this is a key which is handwritten on bits of paper. It's not a, an actual physical backup into another device. It's just paper. You can put that piece of paper, type in the 24 words into any other hardware wallet of any brand, by the way, you'll use the same 24 words algorithm because that's Bitcoin based, not um, device based. And you can re-find your Bitcoin from anywhere in the world for any device. So it can give you complete security of once you've backed up your Bitcoin to your USB, your ledger, whatever it might be, if that ledger breaks, uh, you have a fire, you spill water on it, you just stand on it, whatever might happen, you break it. You need to also store very carefully your 24 words. And if you get those, you can order any ledger or a treasure or a cold card and just put your 24 words into that device and all your Bitcoin will come back. And it's genuinely feels magic when you first do it. Like, how the hell does this work? 
but essentially because it's your private key you're just communi communicating with the blockchain and you're just saying this private key owns a certain amount of coins on this network that's all your usb device is doing it, the bitcoin is not on the device it's just got the key in it and then it communicates to the blockchain and goes what can i access and it tells the device that's what this is i can access this uh, so if you give that key to any other device it's like a lock opening up a, a vault it, it the device is, is dumb it just goes okay what key do i have and it goes to the vault opens it up and goes oh wow this is what i have and uh, so it doesn't matter which device and it's, it's genuinely magic and you you just have to try it out to believe it and then once you, literally once you overcome that step you are now your own bank you're self-sovereign you don't need a bank account you don't need any government you, you literally you have your own money now you could travel the world and engage with with bitcoiners all around the world paying bitcoin uh for for items for goods for services and never need a bank account ever again and so oh. that's it you've, you've overcome the biggest hurdles by far if you get to this point yeah <clears throat> i think the other thing to mention is the ability to travel anywhere with it. So if it, let's just say you get a crazy amount of money, let's say 50K, no, 50K, 100K, let's say 100K. So if you've got 100,000 pounds in your bank account, you couldn't up sticks today and disappear onto another country because that money is in an English bank. And even if you ask the bank manager very kindly to give you 100K, he'll probably say towards the fact of, ain't got that money, mate. You have to you know, come back and we'll do it in two weeks or something. So you're probably not going to be able to access the money, are you? Well, they, um, they will. They will. They will do it. With 100K, 100K in a day? Oh, no, no. That it'll, take, it'll take them a bit of time, but they, they, they do it, yeah. But yeah, you need, so, you need to never have another bank account to send it to. So if you were moving to another country, you'd have to already have the account set up, which uh, setting that bank account up in another country need, would be you'd, hard. You'd, you'd need a residence, wouldn't you, to set up a bank account? Probably even yeah. a job potentially i i don't know so, so let's just say you wanted to to get out and, and move to another country you'd need to you wouldn't need to do any of that that's the point you could just literally take your little usb device in your bag no one's even going to question it and then plug it into any computer when you get get home get to your new destination and i think that's like just it's sort of a bit mental really when you think about it yeah, so yeah. You, you can go anywhere with that money and the, the other thing is if you did get it exchanged into physical pounds or you know notes you didn't have to convert it and stuff like that wouldn't you in different places you wouldn't have to do any of that and that's uh, yeah it yeah, is quite it does blow your mind a little bit yeah if you wanted to move 100k from one country to another and whilst you're going change it from one currency into another yeah you probably lose five percent of it so you probably pay five grand for the privilege <laughs> to just to move it whereas if you did it in bitcoin yeah, you don't need any of it. You just take it. And when you arrive at the other end, if you've got 100K of Bitcoin, so that would be about three Bitcoin right now. You have three Bitcoin here. You go through as many borders as you want, pop up at the other end. You've still got three Bitcoin. No 5% got taken from you there. And, um, and, and the people that you engage with, SATs are still SATs. They're still worth the same. There's no weird, oh, how much is your currency worth compared to the one I'm used to? It's just... Uh, like yeah. like yeah the um i know this is going to go on to the other spectrum <clears throat> from sort of startup to taxable events because it's something that needs to be thought about as well because if you are genuinely serious about it getting in deep with this and going for your te first 10x then then if you do do your 10x you are going to hit a taxable event if you want to take it out and convert it into to pounds sterling so I guess the thing that I think a lot of people don't know, and you know, we've always said that it's not in the government's interest for Bitcoin to be a success. So they're going to clearly make examples of people who do make quick money on it. And the chances are that it's going to happen in the next five years, where there's going to be quite a lot of people doing trades and stuff like that. And if you're a trader opposed to a hodler, you sort of sell and buy continuously, don't you? So you'll look to sell it when it's relatively high and then wait for it to drop a bit, buy it again. And each time you do that, it's a taxable event, isn't it? And it's a very grey area because my interpretation of taxable events is if I've, say, put 10K of my own money in, then I have to make 10K plus the 12K before I pay any tax. So technically, I'd have to make 22K taken out. Then anything over that, I will 
I would make I would have to pay tax on it. However, I know that's not true because if I put 10k in and then sell it and then buy it back, each transaction you say is a taxable event, isn't it? Hmm. Which is something that a lot of people won't get because if so, let's just say let's use 10k as an example. Bought 10k, it went up to 15. I sold it. Price went down. I bought the 15k back in. So technically, the 10k is still in there from the beginning. I've got no more pounds out because even though it went to 15, I sold, bought back at 15k. So I put the same money back in, but I happened to buy more Bitcoin this time because I bought it in it cheaper than what I sold. So is that a taxable event? Because net profit-wise, you haven't made any profit, have you? Because it's back in Bitcoin. I think I lost you there. <laughs> I'll re-explain it. So you have 10k, you buy Bitcoin. Yeah. You, and you might have to buy one. It goes up to 100k, you sell it, you wait for it to go down to 50k, and then you buy it back. So now you've got double the amount of Bitcoin, but you haven't any more pounds in your bank account. There's oh, yeah. taxable events you, in there, isn't you there? Would, you would, yeah, you would, you would have loads more bank... You'd have loads more money in your bank account there because it's all in a Bitcoin again, though. No, you didn't. You didn't do it. Oh, right. No, but yeah, there's two tax events there. Like normally, it's yeah. The selling. I mean, this is the thing that no one will get, and I, I, I always struggle to get it. It's the yeah, selling. It's whenever you sell. Every time you sell, it's a taxable event. Buying isn't taxable event. Selling is, because that's when you either take a profit or you take a loss. Uh, so, if you take a loss, then that goes. You can take that off the gains you've made previously. But yeah, that first that first trade you did there, you you bought in at ten, sold at hundred. So that means you know you made ninety grand profit. So in the UK, you can earn twelve grand a year tax free on capital gains. So twelve grand would come off that. But then of the eighty eight grand that's left, no seventy eight grand that's left, that is now that would get taxed at twenty percent. About fifteen k. About fifteen grand, yeah. So straight away on that one trade, you now owe fifteen. But if you plowed the entire 100 back in at 50, so instead of only having one Bitcoin, you now have two, uh, if you bought it at 50K, uh, technically, you still, if you don't sell them in that tax year, you still owe 15 grand. Even though you invested all the pounds back in, the original buy and sell, you made that 90 grand profit, which ultimately ended up in you owing 15K. At the end of the tax year, you owe 15K. So even though all the money is back in Bitcoin now, uh, a year and like a half later, it's like normally the April after you've bought, that's when that money is due and you'll have to pay the 15K. And when people really get unstuck is in, in bull markets, you have a load of things going up. People are buying and selling, taking profit and then reinvesting all their, all their gains. And then there's loads of taxable events that happen during that time. And then the next year we hit a bear market and they lose all their gains. They, they all literally, they can make two, three, 400 grand in a single year where, you know, 20% of that can be 40, 60 grand worth of money, huge numbers we're talking here. But then the next year they lose that 400 grand because the price goes down 80% anyway, plus they're still trying to trade it. So, they, they literally lose all their gains. So what they think is, oh, that means I don't have to pay the last year. It's like, well, you can back some of the, the losses off and you, you can to a certain extent, but you still need to make sure that that original bill, the tax line will want, will want paying. And then the fact you lost it later largely doesn't matter. Sometimes you can back it off depending on what the rules are, but... Yeah, you need to be very, very careful. And this is this is what a lot of people have fallen into. Celebrities and footballers happen. This happens a lot, where they make a load of money in a shorter period of time. They dodge the tax or put it off. Then they they spend it all, and then end up owing millions of pounds worth of taxes that they because they just pissed the money at the wall on Ferraris and expensive holidays. They literally don't have it anymore. They, all they have left is like a house or something. And the taxman goes, yeah, well, you owe us the house. So and another thing you have to be very, very careful of is not slipping in from capital gains into just normal income tax. And it's very, very easy to slip into income tax because if you end up being a trader, and I think typically 
to fall into trading territory, you need to be buying and selling in a couple of days or weeks. If you're going in and out of trades that quickly, then the taxman will say, that's your job now. And they will suddenly start taxing that on normal pay scales. So that can go up to 40 or 50%. Uh, so be very, very careful. Do You do not want to be classed as a trader because capital gains are 20%. If you're making serious money trading, then they can get as much as 50% from you in the UK. So that's an extra 30%. So you thought it was bad before. Now, now they want 50, 50p of every pound you make. So, yeah, that, that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That, that would be a nasty thing, it's especially like, and then the, the crazy thing I've seen this happen where people actually have real day jobs, but their day, their day job, they get paid 30 grand and then they're trading on the side and they made 200 grand. <laughs> so they think that their trading is cap gains because they've got a day job. And the tax man just goes, no, you've got two jobs. This your day job sucks and pays you 30 grand, but your your evening job of trading, we still count that as a job and we want 50%. And and they've um, they've only budgeted for 20 and they suddenly have to find another 30. And sometimes they don't have it. Yeah, so it's, it's a proper sticky ground if you're playing with the big boys on that, isn't it? Which I think I know we've always talked about it and we've joked about it like it would really hurt, and I know you've already gone through this pain in 2018, but to when you come to do a bit of a sell to fund the next lifestyle, um, the government are going to rinse us. So let's just have a little um, discussion on where we can go. El Salvador. Um, El Salvador is, is the latest one, but I know nothing about El Salvador. I didn't even know it was called El Salvador. I thought it was El Salvador. I think I, I called it on one of our pods. Okay. I just never even heard of it. It's what, sorry? I know that's you called it El Salv or something. <laughs> <laughs> El Salvador, yeah. So yeah, so I'd never really heard about the place, but we'd always thought. I know Portugal was a good shout, wasn't it? If you go, yeah. It's Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Puerto Rico is a good one, although it's a bit. You have to. It's quite expensive to buy in. So, but if you're in Europe, the easiest place by far is Portugal right now. They're very friendly on Bitcoin, so they they do zero percent cap gains on on Bitcoin. Just need to be out of the country for what is it five years, maybe three months in a year. Yeah, come if you pay, it's a pain in the ass. Like they, they will come for you. And yeah, and one of the reasons why I've hesitated is, is they also have a caveat in the UK where any point in the future, if they think the only reason you left is to avoid cap gains, then they will they reserve the right to charge you at any point in the future. So <laughs> if you do leave for like exactly five years and then come back and suddenly buy a house and settle down with your family. They will go, well, that looks suspicious. Like, why did you leave for this five years? What happened when you left? Oh, look, you sold 90% of your, your assets where when we compare your taxes to when you were in the UK, they're like this. Then you left for five years and boom, that was <sighs> the potential tax. And then five years expires and you come back and now suddenly you're paying no tax again because you've already got all your money. So if they see that type of behavior they reserve the right to go, that's bullshit. We're going to discount the five years you were gone. We can see how much you sold because all your bank accounts and whatever are listed and all the property you bought is listed. So we can see you sold X million. Uh, so you want 20%. And oh, you're going to have piss off. Or go to prison. Because go to prison. The, the worst thing you can ever do to a government is not pay your taxes. They don't care. You can yeah. rape and murder people. They don't give a fuck. But you better, <laughs> you better make sure you pay your taxes. <laughs> you can be a dirty nonce, but you can't pay your taxes. You're right. Yeah, that's below. Like number one, the tax evasion. That that's the number one thing they hate. Next below is like nonces, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the same wing in prison, aren't you? <laughs> you just get beaten up first. <laughs> yeah, probably. We're the ones that get like suicided. Yeah. Not, not oh, no. get a bit of beating up in the showers. In the showers. A little bit of bumming. Um, yeah, because I think the tax thing is quite scary. And I think for people that are genuinely serious about trying to finish the work in life before 65, then you're going to have to have some sort of wealth that's going to allow you to fund that. And 
that's scary, isn't it? Messing up because there's no book out there. I know HMRC give you all the guidance supposedly, but it's like I think it's easier to understand Bitcoin than it is taxes. Yeah. I'm brilliantly honest. Having a lot of money is is scary because you fall foul. Like the government don't like people with money. They really don't like you because the second you're out of the rat race and you're not just in the grind, in the in the kind of hamster wheel, and your HR department is deciding how much tax you pay and all that, they love people in that zone. They make it very, very uncomfortable and very gray for everyone that steps out. So the second you start running your own business and investing, and then especially if you start traveling and trying to find more tax efficient places, there is zero kind of black and white guidance. It is all gray, all massively sided towards the government. And they basically just go, you just better play by the rules. And you go, well, what are the rules? They're like, well, we're going to make them up as we go along. Like, great. <laughs> oh, and by the way, change them. if you infringe any of them, you lose your freedom and we're going to lock you in a cage. You know, like, holy shit. So for people like me, like when I did my big sell, I'm pretty sure I paid what over the odds because I wasn't sure on a couple of things. So I just went high. I went, have it, have it. If there's a mistake here, I want to be over. I might be over on this bit because I might have underpaid here. I'm just terrified of the government, terrified of them, because I, I know that the second you start earning serious money, you appear on their radar and they start to really look at you because you're, you're now a threat. You know, they don't like people with a lot of free time. People like me start causing trouble, which they'd be <laughs> right. They'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's loads of, if there was millions of people like me, they would not be doing what they're doing right now, for example, because yeah. you'd have a load of people. We would be getting together, creating companies and just overthrowing them. Just be, it'd be just almost a formality. But the fact is there's like 20 people like me in the UK. So everyone else has day jobs, has families, so they, they can't take the risks. They, they, they don't have the money to do it. They have to just go back to the day-to-day -day grind. That, that keeps people submissive and just in the system. So yeah, so the second you step out of it, and I think it's a big reason why people don't almost want to get rich. It's almost scary because once you start ramping up on the, on the scales, but you can, you can get help. You can, you can go to an accountant if you want to do it there. But there's great stuff on YouTube. Again, you can educate yourself self on this stuff. It isn't actually that hard once you get it. But if you really are scared, you can go to an accountant and pay them a couple of hundred pounds and they'll do your tax return for you. And so, but, it, but yeah, it's, it's another challenge. Like, again, the entire world is designed for all, us, all the rats to stay in the maze. Once you get the cheese at the end and you break out, it's suddenly you're on your own now and it's tough. And, um, but it's the price of freedom. So it's whether you want to, like, if you, if the, the whole, the, this whole, this whole game is run by the government. You have to learn their rules, learn them. Once you learn it, like what I do on every single game, learn to just cheat your way to the end. Just figure it out. Find the flaws. Yeah, there's loopholes and everything. There's there's, all, there's always a way out, and um and 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 the easiest way out is investing. Investing is the is the is the trick. I think the I think the the key to think about is as much as it would bane you here to to pay such a big money on your tax. I think what a lovely position to be in that you can actually have to pay that because it means you still got eighty percent more of that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it just it just so, it just really hurts because you don't feel it when it comes out of your pay packet every month. It really you, you see, see it, yeah. you see it written there, but it doesn't. It was never in your bank account. It's worse when you have twelve months of that amount in your bank account, technically merged into everything else. It was never separated out. At the end of the year, you then have to separate it out and send it send it as a bank transaction to the government. If I think if everyone had to do that on their day to day wages you people would understand the pain of how much tax they pay more yeah which, yeah. which i think is why they take it out subtly every month just to reduce the pain because they don't want you to feel the pain too much <laughs> they, they want you to be poor but they don't want you to really acknowledge how much you do pay uh but then the second you step out of the system and you have to yeah throughout your year of investing you have to then calculate right how much did i make i'm not even sure oh here it is oh wow i owe 20 percent of that to Boris Johnson, why? Because he says so, and you have to I, send it on in. One day they'll probably change it anyway. Crypto, 
it'd be a crypto ca- um, tax. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me. Well, it's, it's That'd the, be the that's been rumored. That's a good way to attack Bitcoin. Actually, is to increase the taxes on on Bitcoin. Specifically, so yeah. They they could say, oh yeah, it's cap gains is twenty percent if you do stocks and shares and property and stuff. But oh, if it's Bitcoin, they could go. It's fifty now. Interestingly, though, it's sort of shooting yourself in the foot because one of the things is one of the, for my opinion, looking in at Bitcoin is they generally are pretty intelligent and pretty wealthy people. So if you do do that, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot in the long run because a lot of people will just do one. It's like you know when they do tax and they tax the rich, they all end up fleeing and going to another country. So ultimately, there you've lost twenty percent of a lot of money, whereas now you've got nothing because you were threatening to take fifty percent of their wealth. So. Yeah, well, that's, in a way, it's like that's why Portugal have done what they've done. It's why, because if you if you rewind and go, what was the last boom? It was the internet age. So America are very um, taxed the or the the tech companies loads. So Ireland and places in the Bahamas and stuff did really tax efficient ways of running big tech companies. So now, if you have a look at Ireland and have a look at the headquarters of the businesses that live in Ireland, it's Google. Amazon, Facebook, technically they're headquartered in Ireland because the corporate <laughs> tax is like 1% or something, 2%. Uh, Whereas everyone else in the world, uh, it's like 20, 15, 20% corporate tax. And, uh, and, and the rules for Ireland is you need to like have like three executives and 50 employees there or something that counts as a headquarters. So for someone like Facebook, it's a piece of piss. They just throw like 2 million pounds worth of wages into Ireland and they hire three execs, 500 employees, uh, to do nothing, and then they call out their headquarters. Right, I've got a plan in then. Let's buy a football club over there. We've always talked about buying a football club. Let's buy one in Ireland. That'd be 500 employees if it's a half-decent team. Yeah, but no one gives a shit about Irish football. Maybe, like, pick it up and kick it over posts over there. Gay football. <laughs> Gaelic. Gaelic football. Yeah, but the point is, you could buy it. No, no it wouldn't be a Gaelic football, because there's no... I don't think there's any size to that you'd have to get one of the Irish football teams like I don't know what they're called they sometimes play the Champions League don't they they they'd be big enough yeah they do of course they've got Republic of Ireland football teams haven't they all you need to do you can buy any team you want you can buy freaking Liverpool but then you can still headquarter it in um, Ireland ah there you go then that's the whole point that's why you don't really move it you just set up your headquarters there as a scam so Facebook and Google have 100,000 employees in California but they have 50 in Ireland and they say that's the headquarters and that's where they take their tax from. So you do, you do the same thing. You can do the same thing with any business. You, you set up your main business in Isle of Man or in Ireland and then really employ the majority of your people somewhere else. Um, but then you just lie. Yeah. Hmm. Food for thought. I think, I think you need to be a billionaire and have mates in high up in government because I saw, um, what was it, Lewis Hamilton tried to do this. I think he tried to pretend he had some type of private plane business in Isle of Man. And uh, he had a load of his money there. And it basically, he used it to dodge. I think it was either income tax or capital gains. But then it turned out he'd visited the place twice, had like never used the plane. And I think it was meant to be that he was saying some of the planes are his like private transport. And uh, they obviously weren't because he was not using them. They were just doing random commercial flights. And yeah, so years later, again, the UK government came for him and went, this is a scam. Your accountants told you it's legit, but we don't believe you. You have followed all the rules, but guess what? They're grey as fuck. And we decide on what is enforced and what isn't. We're deciding you have played a game very cleverly here. Well done, because technically you have done nothing wrong. But we're just going to decide you have because we know what you're doing. This is obviously tax evasion. So bang, every single penny that went into this airline company, you now owe whatever the tax was you're trying to avoid, whether it's income tax at 50% or capital gains at 20, you owe it. And he owed millions. So he, he, he was fortunately in a position that he wasn't at the end of his career where he may not have had it. He was still right in the middle. So he took a hit, but he could then earn it going forward anyway. So he was largely fine. But yeah, messing with governments and money. Like if you, if, I think if you're going to leave the UK uh, to try and avoid cap gains or income tax, like you need to leave forever. That's the way I've positioned it in my head. It's if I leave to go to Portugal or El Salvador, then that I will make that my home like forever because 
the, 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 the literally the way the UK government pitch it is they could they could ask for it back at any point, and it's too risky, and unless I have that money just lying about, and so, <clears throat> and if I did come back, it would be under the assumption of I have to have that twenty percent, just in case somewhere mm. and then what so i wouldn't be dreading the knock on the door so if the knock on the door ever came i'm like all right it came finally all right fine here you go is your fucking 20 percent knobheads <laughs> you can't win like there's no court case against the government where you win <laughs> this isn't this isn't uh you, you can pay, pay the best lawyers in the world that they're, they're literally making up the laws as they go along so nice so don't so pay your taxes kids yeah, I, I, I hate government, but the the one thing you should do is pay your taxes because it's the one thing they hate the most. Just if if you actually weirdly, if you look through, you know, like if you look through all the big the biggest criminals in the world, like the all the the gangsters, the drug lords, uh, all these really big guys, nearly all of them got caught on tax evasion as opposed to actually most of the crimes they did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look at all the gangster films. Because it's really hard to prove you killed someone or that you did. Like, you're dealing huge amounts of drugs because, like, the people that do this stuff are super smart and stay enough steps away from it to go. It's not me. It's him doing it. And they know it's you, but they can't prove it. But what they can prove is that you're driving a Ferrari and living in a ten pound million man and um, ten million pound mansion. So, where's your earnings for that? Where did the ten million come from? And then they go, well, your tax return said you earn 50 grand last year. You're living in a 10 million pound mansion. That's tax evasion. We're going to do you for that. And, and each kind of um, crime for that is 20 years in prison. And you've done it like four times. There you go, bang, 80 years. So they, they literally, their, their go-to way of putting people in prison, no matter what crime you've committed, is tax evasion. So yeah, out of all the ones, all the crimes do not, do not dodge your taxes. And if you do, make sure you're in a different continent and very safe because they'll come for you. Yeah, fair dues. All right, does that, does that wrap us up for today? On a nice happy note, yeah. On a happy note. So anyway, don't pay your taxes. You can have fun staying poor. <laughs> <laughs> I have fun staying in prison. Have fun staying in prison. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>